The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. What's up, everybody, and welcome uh, to a brand new spoiler review episode of Secret Invasion here from the Geek Buddies! I almost said buddies there, just used to the rhythm of the Star Trek reviews. But yes, we are we are back here to wrap up Secret Invasion, episode six, the season finale. I imagine the series finale uh, aired here just a couple of days ago. Uh, so our schedule is lined up to finally record this review. And uh, we got a lot to say about it for sure. So strap in and get ready. Let's introduce ourselves. I'm the outlaw John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer where you can see some of our current work right now with Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, Season 3, dropping every weekend on YouTube. Barry Heimer. Is that a possibility? Is Barry Heimer a yes. possibility? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you mean you mean when Strawberry Shortcake and Raspberry Tart get together and build the cherry bomb? Oh! Ah! 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 Like it's it. fun. Like it's it. fun, isn't it? It's fun making <laughs> jokes like that. Uh, feel a little dirty, but it's fine. Oh, hey, oh, hey, oh. Uh, anyway, we are in to talk about episode six here. It's called Home. Uh, this one, a lot to wrapping up the hap- a lot happened wrapping up the storylines here. In this one, it is a spoiler review. If you haven't watched the episode, uh, please go and watch it and come on back and hang out with us uh, as we break this thing down. Uh, but, you know, we like to talk about overall thoughts. Mike, overall thoughts, episode six, uh, Secret Invasion. Um, got some issues, guys. Got some issues. <laughs> uh, look, it, <clears throat> and it, based on kind of the reaction on Twitter, the reaction yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes, I think uh, I am not alone in saying that Secret Invasion did not end with the bang that people were hoping that it was going to end with. And yeah. uh, I think as we go through the review, uh, there's a couple specific reasons why, a couple specific things that I think could have been done with this specific story to make it a little bit stronger. Yeah. Um, I think, as we said every week, I think that a lot of the individual scenes, uh, the scene work is great. I think the actors are great. Like, there's some really, really nice moments here. And they cast this thing with some uh, some all-star talent, and it really shows. So you get into individual moments, it works great. Uh, I think one of the bigger complaints that people who are not fans of the MCU have mm-hmm. is that the MCU spends more time building to their bigger things 
than they do on the specific stories sometimes. Mm. And I think with Secret Invasion, we're definitely guilty of that. I think the most interesting things in six episodes of Secret Invasion happen in the last five minutes of episode six. <laughs> and I think that that while that does make me interested to see where things go in the MCU, it also makes me wish that some of those things had been what this series was about because I think it would have really helped the series. So okay. uh, definitely in our list of Disney plus MCU shows, this one is uh, not knocking anybody out of their top slots. Mm, fair, fair. Shannon McClung, your overall thoughts on this season finale. I mean, Agreed. It's interesting because I'm actually going back and rereading the new Avengers arc that leads up to uh, Secret Invasion in the comics. And the feeling of dread that they were able to spread out over all of these issues leading up to this big event. um, It's just something that we didn't quite get here. And obviously there there is the absence of of the big heroes, which is, you know, that that is a big thing when you're adapting a story like this. I mean, you could almost make the argument like. This could have been a phase of the films by itself. I mean, where yeah. you get this slow sprinkling of, you know, what, who are these scrolls? Where are our friends? What is actually going on here? Um, but as Vogel said, like the the individual pieces of it are actually really good. I mean, they cast this really well. I mean, the introduction, especially of Olivia Coleman's mm-hmm. uh, Sonia, you know, this is a character that I want to see again and again. Uh, the same with uh, Amelia Clark's Gaia, and I'm guessing that we're probably going to see. We're definitely going to see Gaia again, and I'm keeping yeah. my fingers crossed that we see Olivia Coleman again. Um, yeah. And you know, uh, again, you have these individual moments. Like Kingsley Benadire has a great speech in this that it's like, God, if if the road leading to this had been um, a little more clear, I think this speech would have landed with a little more resonance because the performance is fantastic. It's the things that got us there that are a little wobbly, and I think by the end of the show. Um, the major scrolls that we knew were Rhodey and Everett Ross. And it's like in, in a series where they're trying to build this, this paranoia, I don't know if that was quite enough to, uh, to knock it out of the park. You guys are so sweet. You guys are so fucking sweet. I love it. I love how sweet and nice you two are. This was a massive disappointment, just massive on so many levels. Look, I could excuse Falcon and Winter Soldier. That brought up some really interesting uh, social political issues, systemic racism. They got the thing cut from 10 to 6 episodes, so clearly some things fall apart. This is a 6-episode series, all right? And they were taking on a massive storyline for Marvel. And I'm not one of these people that's precious about you got to do a panel-for-panel interpretation. You know, I love the way they redid Civil War in the MCU, enjoyed the way they did the Infinity Gauntlet story in the MCU. But if you're going to open the door to Secret Invasion and you're going to give us this flaccid effort, it's an insult. It really is an insult. It's a frustrating thing. I think you both are right, though. Incredible stable of actors. The one-on-one scenes are some fantastically well-acted scenes. But there's some confounding illogical decisions. Like Shannon said, Gravik delivers this incredible speech that even if you don't have the buildup to it, right, you can still allow an actor to sink his teeth in the speech, except you find out he delivered it to the person who isn't even the person he's supposed to be delivering it to. So the frustration lies in that, that we never actually saw Gravik and Fury share the screen together as the actual characters that they are. So the entire six-episode series, we only get a flashback when we see them together, 
well, as in him and Gravik as a younger uh, uh, scroll. So it's just incredibly frustrating, the illogical, confounding decisions that they made throughout. And this episode was just further example of that. I don't think I've ever fallen so far off a, a show when I've started watching it like I have with this show. And I see that, I, like you mentioned, the Rotten score, Mike, I think it's 13% for this show, which is, a, I mean, this episode, rather, which is a massive, uh, massive uh, uh, punch to take. And, I mean, if this is what they release week to week, how bad is Echo? And if Echo comes out and it's good, then how do I judge the tastemakers over there at Marvel now in how they're releasing these things and interpreting these things? So, John, John, yeah, yeah. if Echo came out and they dropped it all in one weekend and it was good, I'm just taking that as a win. I'm just taking it as a win at this point. You know like I don't, I'm not that blaming anybody. I'm not getting mad at anybody. If it comes out and it's just a weekend of like, holy yeah. shit, this show is great. Yeah. Given where we've been recently, I'm calling it a win. Okay. That's fair. You know what? You're fair. You turn me around on that. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's move on to storylines here. We're going to break it down into three storylines. Uh, and basically we're going to deal with the graphic storyline first. In this episode, graphic bets everything to get the harvest uh, by essentially putting a target on new Skrullos here, where thousands of these innocent aliens, in essence, this feels like the Jonestown Massacre when they've drank the Kool-Aid. They're all just waiting to die, or that cult in California where they're all waiting for the aliens to come and take them away, and they ended up killing themselves there, lying there on the beds. It has that vibe to it. Gravik uh, has a scroll infiltrating the U.S. government. We, Of course, we know about Rava being Rhodes there, and Rava convinces the president, Dermot Moroni, that the attempt on his life was planned by the Russians and the scrolls alike, and he does this by talking down to a commander. This is where the illogic stuff comes in, because you're like, you know Rhodes. Rhodes is a stickler for the rules. What president would be like, geez, it's kind of weird that Rhodes is talking down to a commander. Should that give me red flags? It's just such an odd decision. The completely see-through in what he's doing. Anyway, the president orders a nuclear attack on New Skrullos, which is located on Russian soil to stop the massacre of the Skrulls and start of World War III. Fury calls uh, his closest allies to help him to beat Gravik. Uh, Gravik. And then in New Skrullos, Gaia pretends to be Fury. So this is interesting. As Fury, Gaia infiltrates New Skrullos. He gives the harvest to Gravik in exchange for the scroll leader calling off the nuclear attack. The deal is for Gravik to use all the power of the Avengers to find the scrolls a new home away from Earth instead of wiping out humanity. Gravik takes the harvest but doesn't agree to Fury's terms. Instead, he turns the super scroll machine on. And by the way, we see all the names of the things uh, that are being combined there. So there's numerous sets of superpowers being installed into both of them here. So inadvertently, Gravik, without knowing it, because apparently he can't tell when a scroll is playing another person, uh, gives Gaia all the Avenger superpowers as well. The two have a battle, a CGI battle, channeling the abilities of the, all these heroes and villains. And in the end, Gaia kills Gravik, putting an end to his insurrection. All right. Michael doesn't like it when I put too much commentary in my recap. So that, I try to leave as much commentary out of there, Michael. Please take it away. Your opinions on this. <sighs> well, clearly, uh, we had a lot of talk last week about who Fury called, and he called Gaia. Yeah. So not anything earth shattering. So I think my prediction of it's not anything earth shattering was correct. I do find it funny. And again, this is just one of those things. So Fury, basically Fury, Sonya goes, where's your super powered friends? And Fury says, I'm not using my super powered friends. I have to do this on my own. Hold yeah. on. Let me call my super powered friend and get her to help me, which just really, you're just like, mm. if, if guy is allowed to help you out in this way, Maybe like 
call call Clint. Yeah. Like, call call anybody like somebody like I I think at this point it's maybe okay to be like call somebody. And again, as we said last week, if the justification at this point was I can only I can trust you, Sonia, and I can trust her, and that's literally all that I have left, mm. and I can like and Vara, like like that's it. Okay, that's a little bit different, but the whole. I got to do this on my own thing really doesn't shine through in the finale when he is very clearly not doing it on his own. In fact, he does very little. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of a rough one. And John, you, I think you nailed one of my bigger issues uh, exactly right, which is I think that the scene between Fury and Gravik is great. Yeah. Everything Fury says about, I felt relief when the blip happened and I didn't have to worry about this anymore. And it's easier to s protect 8 billion people than change their hearts and souls. And Gravik is like, you did this and this is all you and you made me kill people. Wow, that's all great stuff. It is. And, and none of it is actually said with the two people that want to say it. So when you're doing these sort of shape-shifting type stories, it, you've got to, you, you can always, like, the goal is to always fool the audience. Right, right. But once it's said and done, you gotta play fair with the audience. So if your goal was to have this whole thing, the switcheroo happen so that Gaia can also be super scroll for everything you wanna do moving forward, right. then you wanna have a Fury and Gravit confrontation in like episode five. Mm, like you wanna right. move that this entire conversation to episode five so that Fury and Gravik actually have this conversation and Gravik then can leave and say, I'm fucking done with you, old man. Bring me the harvest or everybody dies. Yeah. And then whatever Gaia says to Gravik, totally fine because we had this, you're building this all this six episode arc off of Gravik's got it out for Fury. Fury can't believe it. And we talked about it from episode one. Like what is this relationship between Fury and Gravik? What's really going on? And to kind of get to the end and the rug is pulled out from under us after both of these actors did such nice work in a very well-written scene yeah. is just kind of like, I feel like it's not playing fair. Yeah. Um, I'm also a little unclear on Gaia's plan. Like you and Gravik are evenly matched prior to the harvest. Yeah. Maybe don't let the bad guy get every Avengers power in the world. Like beat him up before that. Like the entire, like, I'm going to give you the, and I, look, I get it as a fan. We all want to see super scrolls fight with all the Avengers powers. So there is a payoff to that, but the way they went around it just kind of seemed silly to me. Um, look, the battle was fun. It's kind of fun to see these powers work. They learned them very quickly. They were very, <laughs> very adept. I Whoa. think my favorite thing though, is that when Kravik takes the Eb Ebony Maw's power, his little uh, sorcerer powers to flicker away. Not look, that all happens, and it's fine. Yeah. But like, given given the buildup, and I think look, we're all saying the same thing. Like, none of us are saying that they needed to take the secret invasion comic story and right. adapt it. And although I don't love the way that they sort of got rid of the superheroes, given what they're doing on Disney Plus, it's a given that you have to work around the fact that you can't have every superhero in the show. So I know, like, we all know that that's what we're seeing. But the fact that like they just didn't really get us where we wanted to get, uh, it didn't have that feeling of dread. It didn't have that feeling of like, where are we going from here? And it just kind of was like, okay. The whole episode kind of felt like, all right, like I get it. And, and like I said at the beginning of the review, I kind of like where everybody is 
at the end. Like we talked a lot about Vara being a really interesting character that we liked that we wished we had seen more. And now it looks like we're going to see her more. Don't jump the gun. I'm I'm leaving that for the end. I know I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about it. I'm just saying bigger picture. It ends in a decent place, but this whole process of getting there just kind of really fell flat. Fair enough. Uh, Shannon, your thoughts here on the graphic, uh, end of the graphic storyline here and what happens between him and Gaia. I mean, what you all already said, like the whole idea that like uh, Fury is saying, you know, I have to do this on my own. Then he can, then he proceeds not to do it on his own. Um, there's such a more interesting take on, I can't trust that these people are scrolls are, are not scrolls. Right. So the only people I can trust are scrolls. Um, like, I think there's something just much more interesting about that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the whole thing, with the graphic speech again, I mean, I hadn't really considered it until I saw John's outrage and I'm like, Oh yeah, that, that does make sense. He's not actually saying it to fury right now. Yeah. And if it, it's kind of the thing, it's the thing that game of Thrones used to do really, really well in the earlier seasons where they would have this bomb drop in the penultimate episode. And that's kind of what this needed to be. I mean, the whole idea that graphic wears the skin of the first person fury assigned him to kill that's actually a that's a good yeah. plot point. Yes. Like that's really, really that's that's resonance. And I think if we'd been able to sit with that a little longer, it would have had more of an effect. Um, I do agree with Vogel about like bringing bringing the powers all you know over to Gravic. It seems like that this that seems like a gamble. <laughs> like, wouldn't you want to put yourself in the best position possible? Um, and hey, you know, like, you know how I'm going to beat you? I'm going to give you Captain Marvel's powers. <laughs> yeah, like, and, and and there's a way that these things can be set up that we watch how Gravik first gets some of those powers. Like, a, a door slides shut. There's this many seconds. Gaia knows about it because she's been there. And then right at the last second, she pushes him out, takes the powers. I don't know. So, and that way, it's just. I mean, the like we knew Gravik was going to lose at this point. Like the the more I think the more um, stress inducing conflict is what the president is going to do with with Rhodey yeah. and Fury amongst the two. I'm like, so just let Gaia beat the shit out of him. Um, like you know, let her have those powers and let her just mop the floor with them. Like I think there's something fun about that. And also in terms of design, um, I thought Gravik in his scroll form. Looked re- looked pretty cool whenever he would manifest someone's powers. Amelia Clark in her human form, not as much. It looked a little weird, like when she had her Drax bulging baby arm. Um, I was like, why wouldn't you make her the scroll? Like, make her the scroll right now. Like, like we can tell who is who, but like, make her the scroll. Like, I feel like that would just. I just think uh, aesthetically, that would have looked uh, a, a little bit better. And, um. Yeah, by the uh, and you know, I'll I'll save what I was going to say for the end yeah. as uh, for for right now. Okay, yeah, I've got an aftermath as the third. Sorry, <laughs> no, no, it's okay. So here's my deal. I'm and and look, I I may piss some of you off for watching the show right now, but I got to be me in my reviews and my analysis. So I'll say this: there is so much wasted here that is infuriates me when you're looking at Gravik's construction. Right, there are two possible avenues they could have gone with Gravik. Either you turn him into a cult leader and you make a commentary about cult leaders, which is a big thing that's been going on that we've all been aware of um, in terms of reading the documentary or watching the documentaries and reading the books. We all became obsessed with this stuff during the COVID situation. So it would have been topical, right? There's even a six episode series out now on Netflix narrated by Peter Dinklage about cult leaders. The fact that he was willing to sacrifice 
all these scrolls. There is something that you could have explored deeply over these six episodes about the idea of cult leaders in our society, how they can exist in any species. That would have been really interesting. But you went another route, which is you turned him into a young black revolutionary. That's interesting. Okay, let's play with that. Shades of Malcolm X, shades of Black Panther. Fine, he's going against an older black man who's part of the older establishment. Let's have this. Great. Let's have this back and forth. All right, you didn't build up to it well. That's fine. But Fury is there, and he unleashes years of pain on Fury, or who he thinks is Fury, taking on the mask, taking on the face. But once again, this now, in my opinion, useless character, and that's Nick Fury, doesn't pay the price for all the mistakes he made as a selfish man. And I've written all these notes about him going like what, what Gaia says, there's Nick Fury, like, oh, it's got to be too much. Bitch, you took on the war. You took it on. You don't get to cry and whine about how hard it is. You took it on. Use it to give yourself status. And then when she, when he became Gaia, I just threw my computer out the window. Because it was like, damn it, this could have been a really interesting conversation. And I do think Kingsley Benadir did have elements of that he was drawing on from previous performances. About three episodes ago, or two episodes ago, when he's talking about war with the council, he slams his hand down. He goes, war! If it's war, it's war. Very similar to how Denzel Washington slammed his hand down in Malcolm X when he's frustrated about hearing about what Elijah Muhammad is doing. So you had shades of this. This idea of an older black character betraying the younger black character who had believed in the idealism of the older black character. There were shades of this here that really could have been explored. But no, they pissed it all away by not building up this situation between Gaia and Gravik. We don't know why Gaia and Gravik have this strong connection other than one look when they were kids back in episode two. If, Ga if Gaia had snuck down to watch Gravik in some basement delivering speeches about rallying the scrolls to change their points of views about the anger against Fury, that would have been interesting. Seeing her converted to understand Gravik's side of things, which would make sense for her to leave her mother and father to follow Gravik, that would have been so much richer so that when we get to the fight, there's a tragic aspect to it all rather than, you kill my mom and dad, I have to kill you. It is so lame. And the way they got her to the scroll powers, super fucking lame because you both pointed out, as soon as she gets inside, she could have reverted back to being Gaia and let's get the fight on. We don't need to be fighting with all these powers and all this extra shit. You don't need to give him an advantage over you possibly. And how many movies and TV shows have we watched where it takes a whole montage to figure out one set of superpowers? You're going to throw in 15 and they're going to figure out how to use it. And then you're going to kill this man, which I think is such a terrible decision to kill Gravik. What's a better decision? Leave him alive because you understand he's a misguided man because you broke your promises. You turned him into this. So you must keep him alive and hoping maybe one day as he grows, he'll understand what happened. And then Gravik could be Fury's ally down the road with more perspective on the whole situation. So there was so much richness here that they just fucking blew with the Gravik storyline. So anyway, that's my... But let me ask you one I, thing. How do you feel about it, though? <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. It just... I had to let it out. <laughs> and I just am so... And, you know, I know I tell people all the time, it's just a TV show. And I get it. It is. But within the construct of our reviews... You know, I can be passionate about these things because I do care about the possibilities of these storylines and what they can show people as they're watching these shows. You know, so, you know things affect us, what we watch. So anyway, just my two cents. Uh, anything more to add on that or should we move on? Well, I do think, I mean, look, yeah. you make, I think you make some very passionate points, but also <laughs> like, I think, I think you, I do, you make some really good points that I think that ultimately 
as you're looking back at this six episode, like, look, it's easy to be like, oh, I didn't like Secret Invasion. It was a disappointment. Right. But every week we've said there's really great scene there work. Is. There's really there great is. actors. And there's really great ideas in here. And I think yeah. what makes it, there's definitely been shows where I watch them and I just, at a certain point, I'm out. Yeah, right. Like, look, we reviewed every goddamn episode of Willow, but at a certain point, you're like, <laughs> whatever Willow does, I don't give a fuck anymore because this show has lost me. I think with Secret Invasion, there's there's frustration because it's great source material, yes. first of all. And Marvel in the past, to your point, with Civil War, with the Infinity Gauntlet, they've adapted really good source material and done super different things with it, but really made it, oh, you got the heart of it. And so there was really great source material, but in addition to that, there's really good ideas mm -hmm. like everything you're saying about gravic there was a lot of really great potential at the beginning because he wasn't wrong he wasn't wrong he was extreme yes. but he was wrong and and we talked about this i think whether it was last week or the week before with gaia knowing that this whole show which we kind of figured out you know in the last couple episodes is ultimately going to be a gaia versus gravic that it isn't about talos versus gravic it, like there is a gaia is the character in the middle yeah. Her dad believes one way, Gravik believes another way, and she's walking that line because she doesn't think either of them is quite right. That's really interesting. Yes. And there was so much, oh, she's here, she's there. What does she do? Like, it just, it got so muddy. And they're like, look, the only, the person who comes out of this shining is Sonya because she wasn't yeah. muddy. Uh-huh, 100%. She said, she said what she was about in episode one. Yeah. She stayed true to what she was about throughout. Yeah. Came in strong at the end and said... Let's go. Like, it was like, she's really strong. And so there's a clarity of purpose to her that I think why everybody is, and her performance is like fucking badass, but like, there's a clarity of purpose to her that makes her shine where everything else isn't. So I think you're, you know, I, I, I'm not quite as upset about it as you are, but I don't think you're wrong. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll jump into our other storylines here uh, as we keep reviewing episode six of Secret Invasion. On a remote island in Frigid Lake Superior, a fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, did you have to go listen to that right before the review? To like be like, <laughs> no, no, I got real lucky in that I remembered it. <laughs> I was like, because like I knew what you were doing, but I was like, I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to Fury and Sonya. They infiltrate the hospital where the President Rickson is being held. Uh, the They trick scroll roadie Raba into thinking they are under attack then fury and sonya use tranquilizer guns to take out the take down the president's security detail when the president is alone with the Raba a roadie uh fury reveals himself telling the president the truth about graphics insurgents uh scroll roadie tries to kill fury who in turn shoots Raba in the head purple blood on the wall uh after seeing roadie's body shapeshift back to its scroll form the president realizes he's been tricked calls off the nuclear assault and after being attacked by Gravik, the president decides to pass an emergency bill to classify all people born outside the Earth as military combatants, which gives him an excuse to send apparently death squads around to kill scrolls, which motivates civilians to start killing innocent people, thinking that they're scrolls, uh, which is an interesting thing because he may be causing problems with New Asgard by doing this kind of stuff. 
But in the aftermath, Sonia approaches Gaia, makes a deal with her. Sonia knows the scrolls need a new leader. And apparently the humans are going to decide who the new fucking leader is for the scrolls to survive the U.S. president's dangerous new law. Then Sonia wants a scroll partner to help her save all the people grab a kidnapped who are still hidden away. They agree to use each other for the sake of humans and scrolls alike, forming the new Fury and the new Talos. Uh, and after saving the planet, Fury decides to go back to Saber after a conversation with President Ritson, where he tells him it's a bad move. Ritson says old Fury wouldn't have thought it was a bad move. But Fury is doing this apparently to go and uh, finally fulfill his promise because miraculously the Kree want to have peace now all of a sudden. So maybe the scrolls can find a new home. Vara shows up here uh, and um, who, who goes along with Saber. She turns into her regular scroll self to tell her, tell him that she loves him. Uh, they kiss and then they head on off to Saber. So Shannon, Nick Fury, Sonia, Gaia, Vara, thoughts? Um, from a directorial standpoint, and we touched on this on the last episode, it's just a little plain. <laughs> like everything <laughs> that they're, you know, it, it's just not the most dynamic of, of filmmaking. Um, you know, and, and like to, to go back on the roadie thing for scrody thing for just hey a second. Um, hey, oh, can we not? Can we not? <laughs> nope. It's staying in. It's oh. staying in. Michael, the scrody oh. is staying oh. in. Oh, God. <laughs> that is, that is, um, honestly, Shannon, that is scrodum. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but the the moment that he <laughs> says to the Admiral, uh, yeah. did you take a stupid pill this morning? <laughs> I mean, uh, at this point, like the audience, like we know, like this is this is a bag and this is a <laughs> Like, yeah. I don't think you need I don't think you needed to push it that far. But the whole idea, again, Olivia Coleman, as Vogel pointed out already, comes out of this looking the best because from a character and this is the writing yeah. the the character is clear in in their purpose. And so the standoff that we have with poor Dermot Mulroney oh. <laughs> in a, in a, on a gurney with a gun going back and forth. Like if we had been a little more invested in everything, this would have been a very, very tense sequence. Yes. Even though as an audience, we ultimately know what is more than likely going to happen. Um, but because again, the road leading to this has been so kind of wobbly and, and filled with potholes, it doesn't, it doesn't, it just doesn't land. Um, but Olivia Coleman is great. Um, you know, getting to the end where she does reach out to, to Gaia. This one doesn't bother me as much because I think she recognizes the danger of the situation. And in the vacuum of Gravik and in the vacuum of all these scrolls who are starting to be murdered, um, she probably knows Gaia doesn't want to do this, but Gaia is the best placed. Mm. So I think it's more of a suggestion of, hey, this this would probably work well. We know we can't beat you, but this is the best hope for your people. What do you think? I'm going to use you. You're going to use me for the betterment of both of our peoples. Like that part didn't actually bother me. The whole thing with Ritson coming out and, and labeling all these people as enemy, <laughs> enemy combatants. This is the paranoia and the dread that I wish had been in the series from yes. the beginning. Yeah. That at any moment... Um, any moment someone could be a scroll and at any moment someone could accidentally be killed because people think they're a scroll. Like there's something really just rich in terms of story about that. I mean, and we do get to see the, the one accident. Um, and I'm really curious about 
standards and practices with this one because i'm wondering how many headshots you're allowed in a show like granted they're aliens but how many headshots you're allowed in a show before it's like hey let's let's label this let's not label this you know for everybody um but uh dad shannon is here oh interesting okay i mean again i'm I'm an adult i have no issue with it like okay great but it just it just kind of surprised me having having worked on stuff where snp has come in like hey you can't do this it's like well that's okay secret invasion secret invasion and strawberry shortcake very different shannon (laughs) (laughs) look the headshot worked in that strawberry shortcake episode i know i lost the fight i'm standing by it (laughs) <laughs> but uh you know i did think the moment between uh fury and vara was nice the, uh, how, yes. she, yes. how she reclaims yeah. her her scroll identity saying she's not priscilla she's vara and you do get that you do get that you know kiss at the end um so i actually thought where it ended that was actually a nice place um like most marvel entertainment i think we are so conditioned to have a post-credit sequence that I went through, I went through twice on the credits. Like, well, where is it? Where is it? There's got to be something. You had to have been trying to connect this to something. <laughs> where, where's Harrison Ford saying, I'm running against Ritz, you know, something. Um, I was really hoping that would have happened, but ultimately it didn't. And there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mikey, your thoughts on this whole thing, Fury. And yeah, Sony. man, Ritz, the president in the hospital is wild to me. I'm like, it's the president of the United States. You don't have three Secret Service. Like you, like there's a whole wing of this hospital that is on lockdown. Like, like it's just so. What's happening? Like, what even is this? Um, we talked about President Ritson last week a little bit, and it just did now. Given where we end with President Ritson, again, as we we're saying, Olivia Coleman, Sonia very clear who she is from the beginning. If in that very first episode with Ritson and Rhodey at the White House, when Rhodey is like, oh, this shit went down, Fury's left saber, whatever. Mm-hmm. If Ritson was cruising for a fight, if Ritson was like, I got to figure out a way to get my numbers up. Like, I got to do something big. I got to show everybody that we're strong. Like, there's all this shit going on, the blip. Like, I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta be strong. And he was kind of a dick. That would have been something we would have gotten it. And then when we get to this ending, we're like, you motherfucker. But he was just kind of there as a, here's the thing that Gravik is going to go after. We're going to try and kill the president. And it wasn't until like the last episode that we're like, oh yeah, you're a dick. But like, we knew so little about him as a president and what yeah. he was about that it was like, well, you that that's a wasted opportunity. Um, Rhodey, look, given given what Rhodey is wearing when we see Rhodey at the end. Rhodey. Nope, not gonna do it. No, no, I'm talking about Rody, 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 Rody. When we see Rody, Ro- well, no, I'm just, I'm just saying, okay. given what we see, Rody. This is, this is about, this is about Scrody. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Yes, I apologize. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> given what we see, Rody wearing, and we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, it does seem like Rody has been a scroll for a while. Yes. So the fact that in Secret Invasion he decided to take or she decided to take all the subtlety of her performance and throw it out the window just does seem a little bit ridiculous like there's no subtlety to this roadie this roadie is like basically twirl he's he's mirror universe roadie twirling his mustache you're like guys he has got a red neon sign that says bad guy above his head in everything he has done in this entire series um so it just kind of all just kind of feels like eh, okay and then again nick that for this to be a nick fury centered series 
to have Nick Fury's big finale set piece thing be standing in a hospital hallway saying, hey, don't trust him. And that's what he does. That's literally what Nick, like Nick Fury, actual Nick Fury in this episode doesn't get the monologue, doesn't get the confrontation. Actual Nick Fury in a show that is supposed to be about Nick Fury's emotional arc goes, hey, Mr. President, that dude's bad. Trust me, trust me, trust me. Okay, shoot him in the head. We're done. Like, it's just, it all just seems like what, where, how, why, like what? So it just all kind of falls a little flat. Now, as Shannon said, scene with Vara at the end, lovely. Yeah. And you get where there's their performance was so good and you just wanted more of this you wanted more of this thing and again the whole thing can you love me as a scroll or is it just my mask is this like like that core question would have played a lot better had a lot of this paranoia happen earlier look ritson's thing at the end like ritson's whole i'm labeling all aliens enemy combatants that is a big swing for the marvel universe yes it also makes sense after the entire world was blipped out of an existence by one alien and then finding out that there's shape-shifting aliens that have infiltrated the planet, even though we know there's some good aliens, we know a lot of politicians that would, like, the fact that they're just saying, hey, let's get all illegals out of our land. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. clear. Yeah. Also, the fact that people go crazy and start running around like death squads because they think half the people in the world are lizard people, not that far off from reality yeah. if True. you read Twitter. True. So like everything that happens in here totally makes sense and is totally cool. I think had the paranoia, had people been popping up all over the place claiming that there was lizard people and what the fuck is going on. And then, and, and that was part of what will, will I, like everyone is freaking out. The scrolls are freaking out because the humans are freaking out. And then Ritson made this call at the end could have been really, really interesting. And I think saving this super, super interesting idea for the end, just like, I like, like it was shocking, like seeing death squads and then seeing a bunch of people like just grabbing you know, they got their First Amendment right or their, their Second Amendment right, and they're going to run around with those guns and they're going to go shoot these people. Like, it's scary because it's not that far off from what we've lived in the past few years. So yeah. you're like, okay, this is this is interesting. This is cool. And it makes me sort of intrigued about where we're going to go, but it also makes me nervous because I think we're going to drop the ball. Whichever one of you said the whole thing about New Asgard, yeah. like mm-hmm. that's what's interesting, and I feel like they're going to drop it. Yeah, like probably. saying all aliens are off this planet and we all know Thor's an alien, and we all know that New Asgard is populated by aliens, and we know that there's all of these things that we've set up, like, uh, that's interesting to me. Like, and had had Nick Fury said that to Ritz and been like, this is an idiot thing. We had an alien that saved the planet. Thor's an alien. What about New Asgard? What about this? What about that? And Ritz like, they can all get the fuck off my planet. That's what I think. Like, that's interesting. Uh, I'm with Shannon on the Sonya um, Gaia thing. A, a a person in power in a world government choosing somebody and saying, I think I can work with you. Why don't we put you as the leader of your people? That sounds like history to me. That like yeah. America's done it, everyone's done it. Like yeah. that's what's happened. So the fact that she does it, and I actually again, great performances, great dialogue, like her being like Gaia saying, this is exactly what my dad did. And Sonia saying, oh, let's not make their mistakes. Let's not make this about friendship and love and relationships. Like this is, I'm using you, you're using me, and we're going to make a great relationship. I was like, this is cool. Like, I like this. Show me more of that. Hmm. Yeah, the, I, I think the Fury thing for me, uh, 
I think they miscalculated the hunger of the MCU fans for a Nick Fury show. I really do. I think we've moved past Nick. I think the MCU has moved past Nick. And Fury is like, you're still playing, paying that great player who can't do it anymore like he used to, but you just you want to say thanks for hanging around so long and bringing us those championships. And I think that's the frustrating part of it. This entire series has been a great series about a marriage. This has been, I mean, like if you just isolate those scenes, it's an incredible commentary on marriage and how marriage can change and the idea of space. I mean, when Vara says to him, like, I know who I am when you're not around. It's when you're around that I don't know fully who I am. That's a great commentary about marriage, you know? So there's a lot here that could have been, that is explored really well if you just put those scenes together. The problem is everything else that Fury is doing, as Michael pointed out and Shannon pointed out, it's just kind of ridiculous and useless and weird. And the Ritson thing, 100%, they were trying to do essentially, and I'm just going to say it, they were trying to essentially make a commentary about Trump and the MAGA movement and all this conspiracy stuff that's going on, but they pussyfooted around it because they were afraid that they were going to get destroyed online as another woke broke kind of situation. So they fucking played it softly instead of really making a statement about it. But Michael's right also, I think, the images of seeing those, like when they shoot the prime minister there thinking she's a scroll when she isn't because she was a scroll. It's just, it's a great commentary there. But more of that throughout the series, I think would have been really fascinating. Yeah. And it is ridiculous to me that Ritson would make a speech like that when the, the head of British intelligence and Nick Fury would have never, never allowed him to deliver a speech like that, would have absolutely counseled him no. away from delivering a speech like Neither that. Neither one of them could control what the president she does. Is, she is the head of intelligence on the British side of things, commented, connected with the prime minister. There's a special relationship but there. If you understand the political consequences of a president making a comment like that and essentially plunging the whole world into a global crisis, that's irresponsible. So I just think that would have been. It's absolutely. Been I think that's, different. It, that's, I think that's the, the point. point. <laughs> it's absolutely irresponsible. Right. But like I, I've they, seen love. I've seen love actually 25 times. <laughs> and I know that the president does whatever he wants and doesn't listen to the prime yeah. minister. Okay. Fair. This is the thing. They just saved his life. So they would have, I would think, a little more cachet to influence the kind of speech he would deliver. So I just felt it was a little ridiculous. And I that. think because. They've done nothing to build Ritson up the whole time. Well, that well, I agree with. Like Both Maloney yeah. and McDonald collected paychecks for their insurance on this show because they were useless characters on this fucking show. McDonald literally had three scenes in the whole fucking show. That is insane to me why you would take an actor like that and do nothing with him. And same thing with Dermot. Dermot did more in Scream 6 than he fucking does in this show. And he had six episodes to do more stuff in the show. So... This is my opinion. You can disagree with it. You have your right to, and that's fine. But like, this is my opinion. I just think the, it's ridiculous. Really quick before we move on, I know we got to. I know we got to wrap up. But the one thing I disagree with you is, well, there's several things you said that I disagree with. Oh, yeah, I'm the not one thing that I'm going to point out. Stuff, though, but, go ahead. but the one thing that I'm going to point out is, I don't think that the that Marvel did underestimate our hunger for a Nick Fury show. I think when you look at our reaction to the trailers and you look at our reaction to episode one, I think the idea of like giving Nick Fury his own show and putting him front and center, we were really excited about. I think where they, where they well, made an error. I don't know error, that I was excited. I was excited to see Invasion, so. Mm, I think we can go back. We have tape. We can go back yeah, and yes, watch please. these episodes. Um, 
But I think we were excited about a Nick Fury episode. I think we were excited about seeing what he was going to do. I think where they made a mistake is when you set up an episode, when you set up your series where every single person, and I mean every single person, he's old, he's tired, he's right. not what he was before the blip. There is an expectation. You are saying, oh, look at how lame and bad Nick Fury is. He doesn't have right. it anymore. He's lost it. And that we want to see him get his mojo back and then be an absolute badass. And what they did was they thought they were giving us that when he went into the mausoleum and opened the locker and got yeah. his jacket and got his, his eye patch, but then he got that and didn't do anything. So like the, the, the problem is had we really, had they delivered on their promise? Yeah. Oh guys, look, Nick Fury doesn't have it anymore. We can walk all over him. And at about episode four, you were like, hold on, this guy's got like, it could have been badass and it could have reconfirmed why Nick Fury is Nick Fury, but because of the way they did it, particularly not really giving the actual Nick Fury a ton to do in episode six, yeah. that's where we kind of come out and go, I guess Nick Fury is kind of done. I'm not that interested anymore. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Then maybe that's a better clarification in, in, in my opinion is at the end, I'm just like, I don't really want him in the MCU anymore by the time it was over. And that's not what you want people to feel coming out of an, a series like that, in, in my opinion. And the Sonya Gaia, Gaia stuff, I thought, but to me, it doesn't, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I don't like the idea of her deciding who should lead the scrolls. We've seen nothing, nothing in the show that would made us believe that she could create a consensus of scrolls that would follow her. The only person she knew was Beto, and Beto got her, his throat slit. So she has no, she doesn't sit there having meetings. She has been talking with the scroll people and like, you know, having these interactions and people are seeing, wow, you're really an interesting person with a different point of view. I could follow. There's nothing there. So Look, the she's, got, she's got the biggest stick. Yeah. Well, I, but, yeah but that's like, not, I, like, but then you're repeating the patterns. <laughs> this is my point. You're repeating the fucking patterns that you're supposedly were trying to, to destroy in the show. So at the end, you, you have finish. At the end, you have a human being installing the leader of the scrolls for their own personal use when they need it. And then the, you're essentially recreating the whole thing. There's going to be a rebellious uh, sect of scrolls that go like, fuck that. She's working with the humans. Why should we follow her? Oh, because she's a super scroll. Oh, great. She's a dictator now. It doesn't work. First of all, it sounds like you have more of a problem with the way historical leaders throughout history have planted people in positions of power. Well, because of what they did. But, because, but so like what they're doing is. You're the heroes. More... You're not supposed to do that. That's the point. Sonia's not the hero. She at no point in this series has she set herself up to she be is a with hero. Fury, so by connection, she is a heroic character. She's she, the one that found out the scroll. She's Sonya's out for Sonya. Sonya, so at, at no point in this episode has Sonya been the altruistic. Let's do the best for everybody. She oh. has always been. You know, it's not this, it's not Superman, and then no one else is a hero. You know that, right? You can have shades of different heroes. Right, she's but a I'm heroic saying, person. Again, I, again, as we've been saying throughout this this entire episode. Sonya is the one character in this episode whose clarity of purpose has been super clear. Right. And at no point has it been, we should always do the right thing. She is doing what is best in her position. She's doing what is yeah. best as, as the new head of MI6, uh, you know, seemingly. And she's doing what world leaders have done throughout history. So, and as far as Gaia goes, and again, I'm not saying they did this perfectly throughout the series because I think Gaia's arc has not been as clear, but like, she is the daughter of the person who was one of the leaders of the scrolls who brought everybody to the planet. So she has cachet in that point, even if she walked away from him, she was Gravik's no, second. She's a she, 
she was Gravik's second in command. Yeah, there's nepo babies in politics. I don't know what to tell you. You're getting I'm mad just about telling the way things work. Okay. She again. <laughs> I'm, not saying, no, I'm not saying it doesn't make a logical sense in terms of the plot point. I'm saying I don't like that they went with the plot point. Understand my criticism. I don't. I'm not saying it's not plausible. I'm saying I don't like that they made the decision. That's my but point. It, I mean, I guess, and well, it, it seems like you're wanting Gaia, and you're, I, it's, it, and I could be wrong about this. It seems like you're wanting them to be set up as heroes at the end, and you don't like that they did it for not heroic reasons. But I like it because I don't think either one of them are heroic characters. Like Gaia is going to be the leader of the scroll and has her own oh, agenda, which is very separate from everybody else's. Yes. And Sonya has her agenda, and I think as far as what their agendas are and the way that they could continue in the MCU this relationship seems like a completely valid relationship to me. But see, I, I okay, and we got to move on because I know we only have eight minutes now. But like, in my opinion, I think Sonya is heroic. I think Gaia is heroic. Gaia takes out the person who was going to destroy the scrolls because in her mind, she's doing what's best for her people. She believed in the cause when she came over of creating new scrollers, of, of us, of them finding a homeland. So she is a heroic person. Sonya is heroic because every action that she's taken has been the right action to do what's best for the world, which is finding out who the evil scrolls are, get the information. Yes, the tactics may be questionable, but her point of view is heroic. And that's my point of it all. Okay. Or doing the right thing. Because it isn't just, you know, uh, you know, milk and apple pie. Like there's a way to be, to do the right thing. It may not, you may not like I, the tactics, but there's a way okay. to do the right thing. I don't think they that they are heroic. villains. I don't think that they are villains, mm -hmm. but I don't think that they are heroes. To your point, that's there's right. a so lot we can of disagree and move on. I think when neither one's going to convince the other one that we're right, so we they can let us know in on. the comments who's right. Yeah, let us know. Oh, yeah, okay, fine. Let's put a scoreboard up. All right, aftermath. Here we go. After Gaia defeats Gravik and New Scholar, she saves the humans kept inside the pods. We see Everett Ross and Real Rhodey are among the prisoners. While all the prisoners are shaken up to, to wake up without knowing where they are, how much time has passed. Rhodey is the one who looks to be worse for wear in this whole situation. Everett Ross apparently knows Rhodes and says, like, hey, oh, my God, Colonel Rhodes, are you okay? It seems like his deterioration might go all, They didn't confirm this, but a lot of people are speculating that this might go all the way back to Captain America Civil War when Vision accidentally crushed Rhodey's spine. So this may set up, up some interesting stuff with Armor Wars. So it seems like Rhodey's missed the death of Tony, missed the, the whole Thanos situation and so much. And then when he was talking to Sam, that was not actually Rhodey talking to Sam in Falcon and Winter Soldier. So it even throws that conversation between two black men about the symbol of a of a shield with an American logo on it. It just throws that out the window now in a way, in my opinion. So. Uh, Michael, I hesitate to go back to you, but go ahead. Yes, your thoughts on, on this situation. Well, that. yeah, look, given the fact that Rhodey, every, everyone seems to be we having have six been, minutes. Yeah, I know. Everyone seems to have been abducted in like what they were wearing when they were abducted. And Rhodey's the only one that's wearing a hospital gown. So it's yeah. not like they put everyone in hospital gowns. And within what we know of the MCU, the last time Rhodey was in a hospital gown was in Civil War after Vision shot him out of the sky. So I think it's a safe bet. It may not yeah. be 100% accurate to say that that is when he was taken out and that it's been a scroll ever since as far as like the falcon and winter soldier scene like look at a certain point you can't get mad at marvel for trying to do what they did in the comics like when you read secret invasion there was the heroes had been running around doing very heroic stuff having big arcs in their own comic books for a while and then marvel was like hey by the way they were scrolls the whole time so I, I i understand that criticism but at a certain point you're like they either went for it or they didn't and you can be mad either way oh you just did it after this because you didn't want to make a big swing or if you did it then this scene and this scene aren't what they were it's kind of like well 
in the big scheme of things, I think what they're doing with Rhodey seems like the right call to fit in with what Secret Invasion was in the comics. It's just I wish they had done it with more people. I wish they had yeah. made it feel more earth shattering than just Rhodey. Sure. Um, and then look, as far as uh, what was the rest of it? I just remembered the Rhodey part. What was I the think rest that's of the pretty aftermath? Much it. I think that's yeah. pretty much it. Yeah. Like it's, oh, oh, it, you know, uh, the saber stuff that you were going to touch back on again, anything to say about the saber stuff and going on the Cree wanting to do. Yeah, peace. Look, I just think it's all interesting and we'll see how it types ties into the Marvels. I think the Cree wanting like the, the Cree and the scroll is interesting and we've never really fully gotten that. So the fact that the Cree are open to talks and that that could all go to shit at some point is interesting. We'll see. Yeah. Um, saber, I think is a government facility. So I don't know that you can tell the president he's a piece of shit and then just go back up to your 50 billion. <laughs> dollar spaceship in the sky but that's a that's a whole other question for another day yeah so (laughs) ultimately like the aftermath was like it was fine like i said i think where they ended everything kind of raising some of the questions was like okay that's interesting um but at the by the end of this you were just kind of like okay yeah yeah all right Shannon, your thoughts on on the end of all of this uh and where we go from here man yeah, it would have been it would have been fun to see more than just the two of them in the uh, in the pods at the end. Um, like they showed us a bunch of characters that we met in the series that we saw for one episode. And while it's kind of like, oh, yeah, that's re- that's right. That person from episode two, um, th- that moment doesn't really land as hard because it's like, I don't know you. <laughs> right. Whereas like with Rhodey, with Ross, I mean, if there had been, you know, someone else down there. Um, it lands a little. It lands a little harder. Um, like with the whole Rhodey thing. Like, yeah, it's like okay. So post Civil War, at some point they got Rhodey because he, you know, he can't walk. Um, but I, I do agree with Vogel because again, having reading the books again, all, like there were so many moments that during the Secret Invasion arc that you're like, oh wait a minute, that wasn't him. That wasn't her. Like that. I do get that it rings a little hollow when you look back at it, but it is exactly what they did in the books. So. Okay. Yeah. I have to disagree with you guys on that because the comic books are not TV shows. TV shows are a different medium, different expectations, different thing you have to do. Comic books, you can mess around with that because it's been on for decades and centuries and not centuries, decades and different writers, different storylines, reboots episode or uh, issue zero has happened so many times in so many different, uh, so, but with with this, there's a continuity, there's canon, there's things you're supposed to adhere to. And so for me, uh, I don't judge it through that prism as I would a comic book. It's two different prisms that I judge these things through. So, but again, just agree to disagree on that uh, situation. I do, but the over, number one overall thing is I think Fury gets to get away with everything. No one gets to really call Fury out in terms of really making him pay for the mistakes that he's made. And I just think it's an infuriating thing by the end of this show, for sure. Uh, and the Rhodes thing, I hope they make it work in Armor Wars. But as Michael said earlier in the episode, you just worry they're going to fumble the ball uh, like they might do with New Asgard. So we shall see. Uh, any final words here? We've got two minutes left. Any final words, gentlemen, we didn't get to? Anything you guys want to stress or, or comment on? Eh. One final word. Okay. It's grody. Uh. <laughs> Well, (laughs) that's the end of our reviews of Secret Invasion. Uh, We've got more Marvel stuff coming. We'll see how it goes. But, you know, this is it for for us for now. Um, Thanks so much for watching it. Thanks so much for listening to us. Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? 
Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel and tweet Scrody, it's at MKToon. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca and let him know that comic books, TV, it's all the same thing. What? You can follow him at the Roca says. <laughs> Well, our long watch has not ended. We might be tired right now, but we're going to keep on going and keep covering all of the MCU for all of you. Uh, We'll see where things go. Some interesting prospects. Will they run with that ball or will they fumble? Time will tell, but we will be here and here's what you can do for us. Hit that like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Absolutely leave your comments below. Yeah. Please tell Shannon that Scrody is super weird. And, you know, like, <laughs> let John know that uh, Vogel's right. So oh, all go. in the comments below. Really important that you leave those comments, especially the Vogel one. Um, <laughs> if you're listening to this on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some stars and some comments so we go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you go. And, of course, Geek Buddies are not done this we had our live episode on monday we have this episode now we've got our episode tomorrow and then star trek continuing uh, with mike and i reviewing strange new worlds as well so geek buddies content still to come this week so look out for all of it thank you all so much take care of yourselves be well and we'll talk to you next time with a brand new episode here of the geek buddies Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.